I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Jenny, what's going on, mate? Good to see you. Happy to be here, Jay, as always. Yeah, we've both got a lot going on here. So, you know, what time is it where you are, Jenny? And it is 6.30 in the morning on vacation. But Jay, you're well, going you're going away. So we're going to do our thing. Just clarify for everybody that I, I, you know, I didn't wake you up at this time. I was like, not. we can only do 6.30 a.m. California time. Jenny's one of those people who, like myself, gets up at a ridiculously painful hours for many other people and that, that's good I get a lot done before everybody else wakes up that's how yeah. I look at it anyway. I'm also in bed at the same time my seven-year-old stepdaughter goes to bed oh yeah that's the way I like it I, I like being in bed by eight thirty, nine o'clock there's nothing good after nine o'clock anyway. that's right okay well today Jenny we're going to talk we're in episode five and we're going to talk about soliciting and implementing feedback from your client as a coach and as a trainer. And, and last week you shared some incredible insight and actionable steps on how to receive, solicit and implement feedback as a coach in a, I guess a more corporate or I would think of it as an upstream format, meaning that from you to either your direct report and managers or from yourself peer to peer with, with other coaches and other trainers. And a quick personal share with you here. I actually got some DMs from a, from a coach friend of mine after your personal share, maybe week three on in self-awareness, where you shared a story with us about a time you worked with a coach or a time you worked with a friend and a coach, and they brought to your attention that you have a tendency to, or you had a tendency to finish people's sentences. And the, the DMs that I got said, just by listening to this, I was more aware of how I was doing these kind of things. And so I love how something as simple as a personal anecdote followed by the concrete steps that you gave to to rectify something like that is all it really takes to basically make you a 10 times better coach and a more confident and more competent in your role. And, and this, that's what this person shared with me. So thanks again for sharing that with us uh, in week three. Time is, I don't understand time anymore, but whenever that was, thanks for sharing. Oh, yes. It was my pleasure. And I'm hopefully always looking for more moments like that of things I'm not aware of, but I have to, you also have to find people who are willing to share them, which is what feedback is all about. Jay, today you're leading, you're leading us. What are we going to focus on today? So today's episode will focus more acutely on feedback between the coach and the client. You mentioned last week, yours was more upwards. I think of this as more downstream. So between the me and the end user, and we'll talk about it in two specific areas. Number one, from the coach to the client about their training experience or from the client to the coach about their training experience with you so far. So I think of this as local feedback that's zero to three months into that relationship. And the reason I usually finish at three months is most personal training memberships, whether you work at a big box gym or your own facility is a minimum of of 12 weeks, unless it's one of those things where people buy packs of sessions. But even then it's probably 10 to 12 instances where you get to work with that person. And then the second area is from client practices and communication and their program and their development back up to you. And I think of that more as global feedback. So from that three month mark onto the 12 month mark. And I guess the way I wanted to start today is to highlight that feedback is 
multifactorial and it comes at every level within an organization. And as coaches and trainers in that organization, we are basically the two-way conduits from our clients to our employer, from our clients between our coaching, between athlete and athlete, between client and client, we are almost always that bridge, that go-to. And I know personally speaking, and maybe you can share something similar here, but I know personally speaking, this is actually a big part of my career that I wish I'd developed sooner. Because if I had, I would have kept more clients, I'd have gotten them better results, I'd have had less headaches just overall. And I'm not saying that I want the client to necessarily dictate the training session. But it is our job as coaches to understand what they want, how they expect to receive it. So we're talking again about expectations and meeting and matching them. And then we choose the most appropriate tools and communication techniques to actually facilitate progress and, and getting towards results. Because the alternate, which is definitely a mistake I've made, and I'm sure lots of other coaches and trainers listening to this can recognize that maybe they've made this mistake as well, is that we could just hold on to our biases if we want. And we can try and fit every client that comes through the doors into the same thought process and the same narrow mold. But I probably wouldn't advise it because it's a great way, as I said, to lose clients, not get them great results and have lots of headache. Mm. I don't know if you've got anything similar there where you feel like you can add to that. Maybe not a personal experience, but it did bring to mind, I'm currently reading a book on emotional intelligence, and there was a paragraph in there about how life will almost always at some point bring you the experiences that you need to get to where you want to go. And most people, unfortunately, wait for those events to happen when you can create those events and accelerate the learning that's available to you out there. And what I hear you saying is don't wait. Yes, you might get those experiences eventually and you'll you'll collect this feedback at some point, but stop waiting for your clients or people that you work with to give it to you without you asking when you can simply take that step of soliciting it from them so you can get those experiences earlier and integrate integrate them into what you're doing. Great. That's a great, I'm great summation. That's a great summation. And I'd say the thing where people often wait, that the moment, the catalyst, where they realize they've waited too long is usually when the client walks out the door. That's right. I've just not served their needs. I've not met them I've where they've not met their expectations. I've not given them the results that they were hoping for. And so I've run that, I've run that so thin now that, that, that they're willing to leave and they'd no longer see value in it. So mm. hopefully again. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And, and I think maybe coaches and trainers listening to this will will recognize moments like that in their in their experience as well. You're going to focus on two areas. You said local mm -hmm. feedback, which is the zero to three month window with a client, mm -hmm. and then the global feedback, which is beyond three months. If we're going to focus on local feedback first, can you expand a little bit more on the elements of local feedback and what actions you take? within local feedback to understand what that client's training experience is like with you? Locally, within that zero to three months, I'm asking questions more about the day-to-day -day training and what they feel like they need more of or what they feel like they need less of and if there's any upcoming changes in their program. So those three things. And the key words to notice there is feel. What do they feel? They don't have the experience. They don't have the in-depth knowledge. So I am asking about what they feel like they want more of. I mentioned in a couple of episodes ago, if I treat everybody the same way, I'm going to do everybody a disservice. So trying to understand what they actually feel like they want more of. Maybe they want more deep breathing. They maybe they want to finish this, this session on a high and, and finish sweaty. And maybe the opposite, 
this is also true. Maybe they want to feel like they get to downgrade and, and go back out into the world, not absolutely, you know, gasping for breath. So it's talking about what they feel like they need more of, less of. When we first get into the, the aspects of local feedback, I can't highlight enough this first point, and it's to make it part of the program. You just mentioned people tend to wait too long. Well, one of the ways that you can never wait too long is to make it part of the process. Make it as part of the process as re-upping their membership, as buying new sessions, as hitting their goals, as wrapping up the training session, as wishing them happy birthday. Make feedback part of the program. Build it into the program because you want your clients to come to expect an email that says titled program feedback needed. They should expect that every four weeks. And you can add in a part to make it almost kind of playful, I guess, because I think one of the drawbacks is that people are like, well, I don't want to send that every month. That seems overbearing. Well, you can dumb that down a little bit and take the edge off it and say, it's that time of the month again where I'm asking you for feedback on your training or our training together and make it make them part of that process. You mentioned a few weeks ago about predictability. Predictability makes things for the clients easier it makes it easier for them to respond people tend to be drawn to people where they can predict what their behavior is going to be it's the same thing here they can just predict that every 10 sessions they have to buy 10 more sessions every month their bill renews every four weeks they get an updated program because based off the program feedback and you want to make it this idea of this is just what we do here I also think that it shows that you value their opinion. You don't have to implement all the feedback that someone gives you. And I know we mentioned that last week. Like I used to work with a guy that asked me for hand cleans every month, despite him not being basically able to bend his wrists longer, farther than this position. So probably not the most appropriate setup. And though I couldn't give him all that he wanted, specifically from a programming standpoint, I could address why. And I could ask questions as to why he wanted them in the first place. Why did he want hand cleans? And it turns out that trainers or a trainer years ago had said that the something along the lines of the only way to measure true strength was to clean and jerk your body weight, which great. I'm not sure where they got that from, but it's not my, not my job to, not my job to deduce that. And I would never have been able to uncover this fact and then try and match his goals and expectations through something else. If I hadn't have asked him for feedback every four weeks. Mm. So you mentioned waiting too long. You don't have to give the person what they want. They don't have to dictate the training session, but it is going to give you information. It is going to give you a point to, to target your, your conversations with. Second point within the local feedback idea is make it specific and make it about them. Asking them what they want to do next month is probably too broad. And I'd say it's a pretty dangerous game to play if you've got an opinionated client because they do pay us to curate and guide them on a plan that we have expertise in. Instead, you might ask them what they feel like they need more of. So there's that word again. What do they feel like they need more of? And then you can follow up and ask them why they feel that way. This means that you're asking for their opinion and you're trying to understand why they feel that way. You're showing that you value them. You also get the opportunity to qualify the response that they give. Hey, can you tell me a little bit more about, I'm not sure I understand. You can go back and get clarity on it. And for them, they need to be more specific with why they want that thing. They have to do the legwork. I want burpees needs to have a rationale behind it. I want hand cleans needs to have a rationale behind it. And then the final aspect of this, and this is an email that I send out every four weeks to people. The final aspect of the email, the final question within that email, it tries to give them some space. I'm trying to give them room to tell me what matters to them. And if I can 
understand how it's pertinent to me, then I can do something with that. So I always ask, is there anything else you'd like me to know about your goals, preferences, or training at a ho- as a whole at this point? And then I actually decide whether I want to do anything with that before getting to work on writing a, a new program for someone. It allows me to consider if they've changed their mind on their priorities or changed their goals, or if they, they're going to be away for two of the four weeks. You know, How do I adjust the program at that point? So even if they don't give me anything, giving them an opportunity to give them feedback makes people feel really valued and part of the process. Brett Bartholomew talks all the time about building buy-in. That for me is is a big aspect of building buy-in is asking questions that shows that you care about this person's opinion. And although you are the expert and still the leader, you get to pull in information from a different point of view that isn't your own. All right. You gave us within local feedback, the three elements you talked about were number one, to make it a part of the program or your system, which just takes the thought process out of it, making it easier for you to actually accomplish that task. I love that. And the fact that you put together a, I believe a Google form you send out regardless every four weeks, it takes all of the thinking out of it for you. And like you said, it makes you predictable to your clients, which builds trust. The second thing was to make it specific and about them. Something that came to mind when you were talking about making it specific is, and we mentioned this a few weeks ago, sometimes feedback also is indirect, meaning maybe during a session you're doing TRX rows and it's the first time your client is doing them and they make some type of comment about how they enjoyed it. That is indirect feedback and you picking up on that You can ask them later. You mentioned you really liked these when we were doing these. Is that something you want to continue doing? And then the third is to give them space and that they might not give you much of anything when it comes to feedback, but this isn't necessarily just about getting specific feedback. It's about relationship and building by and love that. All right. That's local feedback. Now there's global feedback. Local feedback was that zero to three month mark, that 12 weeks Global feedback is that three to three months to 12 months or beyond. How does global feedback beyond three months differ from what we just talked through with local feedback? Global feedback starts more robustly because I'm going to do it less frequently. So this is actually where I use that Google form. The previous every four weeks is just an email template. And I'll share that email template with you. Just have it saved in my in my Gmail mm-hmm. every four weeks. Client tells me they need a new program. I send them that email out They in response. They know it's coming. And I'm not going to start working on their program until they receive that. This one is a little bit more curated, is designed to maybe dig a little deeper and understand a little bit more about the overall personal preferences. So I do this after that first three months. And then I do it again every 12 months after that. So here's where I ask more about my coaching style, coaching skills, and my communication as a whole. It allows me to set and reset the tone for the upcoming training. And maybe you'll maybe you could do this and, and coincide this with when a client renews a membership or buys a new pack if if that's how it works at, at your gym. This moment where they've taken this opportunity to recommit you get to show that you are reprioritizing your time with them. And I think Mm. coupling those things together is maybe a bit of magic there. As I said, here's where I ask questions more about style, skills, and communication. can set that tone and I can more thoroughly direct our time together towards the client goals, their needs, and their preferences. And and those three things, goals, needs, and preferences, are something I mentioned last week and, and the week before as well. So 
There's some big components here as well. Number one, be specific. Give people parameters to give you their feedback. I mentioned last week a pet peeve of mine is receiving emails that just have thoughts, question mark, at the end. If we leave feedback opportunities open-ended, we typically get one of three things. We either get nonsense, we get nothing, or we get platitudes. Oh, uh, yeah, everything you're doing is great because it's just it's too easy. Mm -hmm. The people don't want to have to critically think. If you want specific feedback, Give them elements of the training that you're willing to change and ask questions about it. So something that I write is what's something you'd like to see more of in your program or what's something you'd like to see less of in your program or what's something you'd like me to start doing more of. Structuring questions with elements that have parameters. Another one I use is in five sentences or less tell me X, Y, and Z about something. Gives the client an opportunity to be specific and write their response, which makes it clearer and more actionable for us as the coach as well. So I can't highlight that enough, be specific. Maybe this is all just stemmed from my hatred of the word mm -hmm. thoughts, question mark. And if it is, great, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. The second component is be approachable. The reason that you're asking for feedback is because people typically, as you have mentioned before, Jenny, don't typically give us feedback, but you're asking because you want to improve. You want a way to get them better results, to have more consistency in your, in your client roster, to earn more consistent income, to take on new clients with great referrals, all those things. And you can only do those if you understand ways that you can make your service better. Here is where you can make the language more personal to you. I just mentioned an example. What's one thing you'd like me to start doing more of in our work together personally? Asking them to judge you or to feedback, think critically about things that they like about you. Maybe they want you to count their reps so that they don't have to. They can just focus on output, which is feedback I've got before as well. If I ever set somebody up on an AMRAP, one of the things that always kicked the legs out from this person was that I would ask at the end, how many did you get? I didn't know that he wasn't counting. So I just started counting and I could just say at the end, hey, you got 21 there. That's three more than last week. Oh, that makes me look a million times better as a coach because I'm giving them what they want and I can tie it into progress. Like It's a no-brainer there. So second one is be approachable. And the, the third one, and it's kind of a bonus one here at the end, but the third one is to be goal-oriented. We've probably all had a client who came to us saying that they wanted to lose 10 to 15 pounds or just lose some weight or get leaner and give us this really general goal. And at some point, we kind of went from being transactional where we were really focusing on that client to being pally with that person. We went to became transformational really quickly. It's really easy at that point to lose sight of the goal. If we never check in on their progress, if we never offered additional resources and support, if we never asked them whether their goal was changed, then now what I've got is a friend who trains with me two days a week rather than a client who I'm trying to help them get to their goals, which is a dangerous game to play because although they're friends, I always say this, to every coach, client, trainer, anybody will listen, is that it's important to keep the training front and center. This is an opportunity for your client to tell you about what they want, what they want now, if their goals have changed. So follow up with, is there anything about your goal that's changed? Are we still working towards fat loss? Are we still working towards such and such? And give them an opportunity to say yes, no, or maybe so. And again, you're able to direct your your training efforts, this is almost like a lightning rod that you can channel future conversations and, and training efforts and provide additional value through things like 
services like if you are also a nutrition coach and you do personal training and this person wants to lose 15 pounds and has trained with you for six months and has lost zero it's probably not because of the training can you offer them nutrition coaching can you are they having back pain can you refer them out can you give them free downloads and resources there's all that is there and you can provide additional value and so the final thing i guess and this is where this is kind of the thing that brings it all to light is follow-up follow up with that person. And this maybe speaks a little bit more towards what you had mentioned last week about you don't have to do anything with feedback. So whether it's a simple thanks for the feedback email, or even if it's an automated email that they get when they fill out the form, or whether it's a sit down, like evaluation of their feedback and the planning meet in like a planning meeting, neither is better or worse. And maybe your preferences or logistics might dictate what you can do, but make sure that you follow up. One of the ways that I've done this is in the past, I've started my next training session after that feedback and after I've updated the program in that framing component, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I've started the session with, you know, Hey, Jimmy, thanks for the feedback. Bearing in mind what you told me, these are the adjustments that I've made to the plan going forward. This is what we've got today. And so it shows that I'm willing to implement change that I'm, that this is a partnership. And although I'm the expert, although I bring the, the leadership component, I am still willing to change and because I value their input and again, builds that buy-in. I still write the programs. I still lead the sessions, but I just do it with, I do it with the client in the car rather than dragging them along because their jacket's caught in the door behind me because my biases are not leading the session anymore. My expertise is leading the session and their goals are kind of goal directed. We're going in that direction. So hopefully that all makes sense. It does. What I really love about this is when you and I first met, you showed me a couple of the systems that you have in place with the clients Mm -hmm. that you work with and you do all of this. Mm -hmm. You don't just talk about it, you do it. And that was something that I, I was blown away because I know a lot of coaches and trainers who talk about systems that they have and their systems, they do, their systems are all focused around training. There's no systems around relationships. Mm -hmm. And so much of what you showed me that you had built out was the opposite. Of course, you have your training systems, but you have systems from day one through long-term clients. And how am I going to maintain this relationship? And this is exactly what you're talking us through. Do you live what you're saying right now? And even in working with you, there have been times when we've gotten on the phone and you've said, can we take a few minutes? Can you tell me what do you enjoy about working with me? What's been going really well for you the last couple of weeks? Is there anything you'd like me to do differently that you think I can support you better? You do this. I think there's a lot to learn from you. And I learn a lot from you about how do I approach that without it being awkward or feeling confrontational. And the way you've laid this out and giving the example questions that you ask, they are good examples of how we can solicit feedback from our clients without them feeling like they're being put on the spot and that we might confront them and disagree with them about any of it. There was one question I did want to ask you. Let's say, and maybe you've had this experience or otherwise I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's say in one of those feedback forms, your client gives you some critical feedback. There are going to be some people who have an easier time writing that feedback than talking about it. But let's say you want to ask them about it. How do you manage asking them about that feedback without making them uncomfortable or, or do you not? What, what is your approach with balancing? Again, because people 
I think find it much easier to give written feedback than they do than confront that person and actually have a face-to-face mm-hmm. conversation about it. Yeah, the the element of anonymity definitely allows people the opportunity to to be more candid, I guess. And I will say from a personal standpoint, I prefer it that way because I don't want it sugar-coated. I'm a big athletic white man standing in the middle of the room. And if I'm talking to a client, I, I want to get better. We, we want to get better as coaches. If that is why we're asking for feedback, then I want to give people the opportunity to write it or say it in any way that they prefer. It's my job to do something with that information, right? And so I actually, ha- I have had that feedback. I get, maybe I can just use the same, I can just use the same example of the person who said, I wish you'd count mm-hmm. the the reps and things like AMRAP because I find that difficult. As I remember it, I think I emailed him back and said, thanks for the, thank." I think I just re- responded back to him in the same medium that he responded to me. And I gave him the choice. We can continue via email. I'd love to know more about this. Or if it makes it easier and you want to just talk about it in person, we can talk about it in person. You know, these are the times that I've got available. But there's two components, I think, and you mentioned, you've mentioned both of these in the last couple of weeks. There's two components that make feedback, for me at least, manageable. The first one is curiosity. That's the word you've said a lot. And I think when I first started thinking about curiosity, it was like, but why? But why? But why? I think of five-year-olds in school trying to waste time in class. But why? But why? But why? But I do genuinely want to know the answer from this person. And the reason I want to know the answer from this person is I'm really curious as to where they've picked this information up. Is it something that I've done? Is it a limiting belief? It allows me to get better at my job. It really is just going to make my time more efficient. Otherwise, I could just keep shooting in the dark and hope something lands, or I could just ask forthright and say, I'm curious where this comes, where, where this has come from, or I'm curious what, what you mean by this. Can you tell me more? So curiosity, number one. And then number two, keeping that overarching thought process of, I do just want to get better. And I don't have to do anything with this information. And it's not about my character. I'm going to assume that everybody is a coach because they like being a coach. They want to help people. They want to support people. They like training. And that's why they do it. They don't do it necessarily because they want to tell people what to do. So this is not a damning character assassination. It's just something that I do. It's just a behavior that I do, not dissimilar to your example a few weeks back of of finishing sentences. It's just something that I do that I can choose as part of my authentic self. I can choose to adjust or I can choose to just be mindful of. Maybe it's something that, is necessary. It's probably not, but maybe it's something that's necessary. But if this triggers this person, I can choose whether I want to do anything about it or not, but at least I know. So those two things, curiosity, and I do just want to keep getting better. When I receive feedback like that, I'll respond in the medium that they communicated with me to through. I'll offer the opportunity for follow-up in any format that they'd like. Maybe I'd lean on my preference. I'd rather receive written feedback, I think. And then I always look at it through a mindset of curiosity and wanting to get better. Hmm. So they're the, I guess they're the big, the big components of that. Maybe that dart kind of danced around the answer to your question. No, there, I, but that's how I respond. The point about responding to them through the medium that they felt comfortable enough to offer the feedback seems mm-hmm. spot on. Today, you talked about two types of feedback specifically between the coach and the client. One was the, what you call local feedback between that day one and week 12. And then there was global feedback, which is feedback you maybe only solicit once a year. 
but it's deeper and it's more so about that relationship. Can you wrap it all up for us today, Jay, as we near the end here? Yeah, it's a no brainer. It might seem like a lot of work legwork up front and it can be. I'll share with you the resources that, that I've put together. And if you just wanted to copy those two, go for it. Copy those two. For no, if for no other reason other than you have no idea where to start, this has proven to be useful for me, who's done probably 15,000 15 to 20,000 hours worth of personal training and coaching and has run a gym and has coached other coaches. It's going in the long run, it's going to make your job a million times more efficient to be able to ask questions specifically around the training. And then it's going to make your job far more, I guess, coherent long-term if you can ask questions about how this person perceives you and what you can do to modify the environment or your behavior to make it better for them. Because any gym owner, any marketing person, any marketing book or sales book will tell you that it's a hundred times more expensive. Maybe that's aggressive. A hundred times more expensive to go and find a new client than it is to retain an old client. Mm -hmm. You've already put in a ton of legwork with this current client. Why would you want to lose them? And if you're losing them for any other reason other than they can do it on their own now and you've built up that independence with them and that autonomy and they feel capable of going outside of like them being ill or moving house or whatever, then you have the opportunity to improve the, your, the way you do things. If you want to keep this client for a long time and they want to keep working with you and keep making progress, local short-term feedback about training the day-to-day -day is really important. And then maybe the bigger stuff where you can ask more in-depth questions about you and them and your relationship in general and what you're willing to do to modify it and make it better for them. Ask that more long-term is only going to aid short-term efficiency. It's going to make your day-to-day -day job a lot easier and it's going to give you a lot bigger, longer buy-in and more coherence in your job role moving forward for the long term. This was awesome. I learned a lot and I have been learning from you because I've seen these systems. One thing mm. that you and I have talked a lot about is how important it is for us to help people get started. And you've mentioned a few times here, you're going to share the forms or the questions that you use. If you would like you listening, if you'd like access to those, you can sign up for the Fit to Speak newsletter that goes out every Friday. I've put links in the bottom of that newsletter for the templates we shared for the first two episodes of the series. And then this Friday, I will, or in a couple of weeks here, share the ones for today's episode. So sign up for the newsletter and I'll recycle those forms in there for the next couple of weeks. Jay, nicely done. Hi. Thanks for the- Cheers, Paul. Thanks for the tips and sharing some of your own experiences. Thanks for having me, mate. Go enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we value and welcome your input, any feedback you have and questions about how we could make the show even better for you. We'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.